This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, jeez, Dad, not the car again. Oh, happens all the time with old Betsy. Have you checked out Carvana yet? They have thousands of cars for under $20,000. But do those thousands of cars have personality like old Betsy? Betsy's held together by tape. And there are raccoons living in the engine. It's a family car. Uh, there are flames on the hood? Ah, custom paint job. No, Dad, the car's on fire. How many cars did you say Carvana had? Visit Carvana.com to shop thousands of cars for under $20,000. We'll drive you happy at Carvana. When Arsenal knocks on the door of players, it's a different knock than other clubs. Maybe we'll have a good surprise for you. It's Thierry already! He scored! He scored for Arsenal in the bottom bar! Back to Arsenal! That's an Arsenal! Yes! Get in there! and rolling welcome back to the different knock podcast episode number 26 with alexander moneypenny and my very good friend bradley adams hello mate bradley adams a week up the arse arsenal held to a nil nil at ellen road pepe apologizes arteta wants balogun to stay fans are returning to the emirates and the halen boys star in the molder win lovely 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 stuff well done brad we've uh we've we've <laughs> We've calmed that bit down because otherwise it might <laughs> might not become a news section, more of a dick swinging contest. But hey, yeah, listen. then you can actually understand what we're saying. <laughs> kind of went mental last time. Uh, how are you, Brad? How's it going? I'm I'm really good, thanks, mate. How are you? I'm good. You had your American. We we couldn't record last night because Brad was giving thanks. Yes, I, I was thanks at a to the Thanksgiving Lord. dinner. I live um, with uh, an American who is lovely, and uh, uh, we did our first. I've never done a Thanksgiving before, but yeah, we did a, a lovely Thanksgiving meal. What is it actually giving thanks for? Just like life? Um, I no, it's more like it celebrates. I, 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 if I'm honest, I'm not really sure, but I, I think it's like he was. You were just staring at the turkey. What it's what it's become is like a day where you have an, like a great meal with your family, and everyone goes around the table and almost um, gets the opportunity to be introspective and say what they're thankful for, kind of within their lives, whether it's okay. You know your health, your family, all of these things, your career, and and for me, I I, I find it, I think it's fascinating, and I do think it's brilliant because I think you know, as especially British people, we don't often take the opportunity to just sit with each other, be introspective, and actually acknowledge what we're really happy with in our lives and what we're really thankful yeah. for. We can often dwell on what we haven't got, and we're focusing on the next thing. So last night was just... Which we'd never do as Arsenal fans, do you know what I mean? No, so. definitely not. Definitely not. But I think that, yeah, no, it was just a gorgeous experience to get to kind of sit there and nice. be introspective and kind of realise, no, actually, you know, I'm happy about quite a lot. I get a happy Sunday text from our mutual friend Brian every Sunday, and it reminds me to, uh, you know, just take a second, just just find what's true. Um, yes, also, before we jump into things, I just want to say, you might be noticing the podcast is a bit sort of all over the place at the moment in terms of when it comes out um i sort of don't mind it because i think because the games are so random at the moment they're so like Mm. five on a thursday then eight on a thursday then a sunday basically we will record around the games so if there's a if there's a game we'll expect a podcast within 24 hours that's what i'll say um and for my ocd brain i'm gonna have to take out monday and thursday at the end Mm -hmm. of the outro Anyway, um, good. Also, uh, I have something to show you. Oh. So um, this was on Gunner Blog's uh, Twitter earlier. This is, well, firstly, it's wait, it's Eddie Nketiah's Instagram story, right? Mm-hmm. And I think the Arsenal flight 
out last night was cancelled. So they had some kind of dinner afterwards in the hotel. And uh, there's a video of physio or someone in the backroom coaching team who presumably has just joined singing uh, Mysterious Girl um, and taking his top off. I stop and stare at you walking on the shore. Sometimes I concentrate but why I want to explore. In the middle of a standing on a, on a, on a chair. Oh! <laughs> um, Artes is in the back looking sexy in his roll neck. Um... But it's bizarre. Anyway, the bit I want to show you is Miguel Aziz <laughs> singing Rock With You by Michael Jackson. Just just take a listen. Listen, I, the th- I respect the, the ambition. Is, it's like it's an ambitious key. I really respect it. And you know what? At the beginning, he sort of smashes it. It goes. It starts off well. Yeah. And listen, I, 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 I'd absolutely shit myself. So fair play to him. Um, I just wanted to show you, <laughs> show you that, Brad, because I think it was hilarious. Um, yeah, fair play to the boy. It's the rock. The rock is the best moment. <laughs> rock, rock. Uh. Yes. Also, I realised before we kind of jump into the game, um, we didn't discuss the absolute destruction of Piers Morgan on Twitter by Meza Urzel. Oh, Did you see this? Oh, it hurt. Oh, I l- look. Um, I think the best the best way to describe Piers Morgan is you're shocked when you agree with him, and it makes you feel a little dirty inside. <laughs> In like when he was giving the government a load of rib over coronavirus or when he's been kind of absolutely railing Matt Hancock on live TV, you kind of feel a bit dirty inside for agreeing with him. But I was so, oh, it was so good. And, and what I hate is this ideal that um, I hate the phrase like, oh, yeah, the fans pay your wages. Ridiculous. You don't. <laughs> like, for, for, not for those all. of you who didn't see it. Like, <laughs> for those of you who didn't see it, it was essentially Meza Ozil tweeting, let's go for the Leeds game, I think it was. Yeah. Piers quote tweeted it and said, I wish I wish you would, Meza, for your sake and Arsenal's. And then with 170,000 likes, uh, Meza Ozil replies, Piers, was that really you? Or was your phone hacked? <laughs> um, oh. Maybe not everyone knows uh, the context uh, yeah. of that. Essentially, Piers Morgan... Uh, there's a, a phone hacking scandal which we don't have time to get into but i just wanted to appreciate that on the podcast and yeah. just say i mean fair play Mazza. if you can't get on the pitch at least you're scoring off it you know I mean? yeah mate fucking so, fair play but um incredible yeah and then he got really butthurt about it and tweeted twice to no reply <laughs> oh that's the worst that's the because he he quote tweeted Mezzet's tweet again about the phone hacking saying something and Mezzet oh obviously just ignored it just and so he him, tweeted yeah. again um and that's when he said the co- the whole phrase about you know like fans paying wages and stuff and look I obviously understand that obviously as fans of the club you do put a certain amount of money into the club but there there is no way that the money made by the club off of your t- your one ticket sale a year yeah. or your subscription to Arsenal Football Club that costs you 35 pounds it also doesn't excuse you hacking kids phones so yeah you know, exactly there like, you go um or like the phone fo- the phones of people who've had a family member die like come on peers yeah do exactly. better um, gammon what an absolute gammon uh anyway we had a football match last night bradley we did it we did three nil at all oh, the Mulder stadium the Mulder arena the moldy arena damp damp and drizzly um uh it was well i, I say a stadium the playing surface was trash uh was trash didn't help oh, the players were slipping all over the shop anyway we got three nil uh, it was three goals, a lovely goal by Nicolas Pepe, a nice little tap in from Reese Nelson, ooh, ooh. and following Balogun's first goal for Arsenal. Yeah, I thought um, Reese Nelson was quality as well. Right? Yeah, the first half may have been the most boring half of football I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, I think that's the thing with Arsenal at the moment, though. We take, I just think we take too much time to get. Whereas, like you see a Liverpool or a City or a Spurs at the moment, because they're not, you know, I think Spurs are on a, a bit. They're riding their luck at the moment. But the one thing that's different about a kind of Spurs and a couple of other teams is they don't. 
it's almost like the analogy of driving a car in like they don't they get to fourth gear and fifth gear and into that high press and into that kind of range much much quicker than we do it feels like we it feels like we're driving like a 1980s fiat punto and we're just like screeching along trying to push up and get up and i think that that is because of certain personnel um but i think that the second half was a lot better. We played a lot better in the second half. And, you know, Joe Willock popping up with two assists. I think that was an underrated performance from yeah. him. You know, I saw a lot of praise for Balogun. I saw a lot of praise for, you know, I saw a lot of praise for Lacazette in the first mm. half, um, as well as kind of moving into the second half. And, you know, we were having this conversation off pod that maybe mm. he's found his new position, three key passes in the first half alone. I don't think it's the perfect situation, but kind of with what we were talking about, about maybe him being sold next summer and us going with a, a three-striker lineup of Aubameyang, Enketia and Balogun, and then maybe investing in either a left winger or a cam or kind of some someone to f- float around that front line mm. would, wouldn't be the worst idea with how kind of Enketia and Balogun seem to be performing. Yeah, I it was, it was an interesting lineup in that I was hoping we'd see potentially a Smith-Rowe or someone from the start. I wanted Smith-Rowe in there. Yeah, um, I didn't think we'd see Aziz or Balogun from the start, but I, I thought maybe a Smith Rowe. But you know, we 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 had what we had. I think overall, we kind of appeared to have been. I mean, I'm sure you can kind of enlighten us with the um, the the average positions on on who scored. But the the four two three one, I think, worked a lot better. I think mm-hmm. it, it kind of by sacrificing that extra defense. I mean, again, it is basically around the conversation of Arteta's structure. And and I think we, against these teams in the Europa League, when there's less at stake, we can try a bit more. And the 4-2-3-1, I think, helped for a number of reasons. I think, firstly, it it helped us with our connectivity. At the moment in the league, there appears to be a, a massive gap between the sort of pivot and the front three at all times. Uh, there appears to be a, hu- a huge gap. And I think... Lacazette being in that number 10-ish role behind uh, Nketiah or centre-forward role, whatever you want to call it. I think you're right. Like, you know, and, and maybe the stats back it up as well, the three key passes. Mm. You know, he has got a decent final ball. And I think by sacrificing a bit of defensive structure, we were able to just fix that slightly. And it was nice to see. It didn't work in the first half, but the the second half, especially in that, the sort of opening 10, 15 minutes, we looked really fluid. And I think it's because we had players, it felt like we were balancing the pitch out a bit more. Um, committing both more people forward as well as covering the spaces, and I think Xhaka and and, and Willock. I have to praise Xhaka. Um, I think he he was slightly underrated in that, in that game, and it was strange, Ooh. strange, strange decisions to take him off. Um, I thought he kept the interesting. Ball, I thought he kept the ball moving really well. Um, understand why he might be taken off. Maybe he's being rest of a Sunday. Who knows? But um, yeah, I, I think i think the 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 change in structure that we saw um it's obviously a europa league lineup um i also think slightly separate point i think runison is for 1 million and i know he made some mistakes last night but he had there was a one point where he kicked the ball out and he it was a really nice bit of distribution and he played it over and he got it right on um maitland-niles's chest and he, the, the, almost like the confidence to be able to play that ball. It's something that I haven't seen from Leno. Mm. And I think he's actually quite tidy. And when he did make the mistakes, he, he tidied up pretty quickly. I think give him a couple of seasons, mm-hmm. I think he'll be a really, really solid backup. I, I, I think yeah. he is already, but I think give him a couple of seasons and give him some confidence and give him some games. Yeah, I, I actually think he's a bit of a steal at 1 million. But yeah, over, overall, that was just a sort of side, side point. I think the thing, the thing with Runison as well is, you know my opinion on him that I think he'll probably become the third choice next season. But Leno at one point is going to be phased out of this squad and it won't be because of his age. It will be because we're looking for a particular skill set. I reckon next season might be... I'm looking for a particular set of skills. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> this is all right. Um, I reckon the next season might be Leno's last season in an Arsenal shirt. Not because of his kind of lacking quality or other things, but because... We're going to have to make brutal, tough decisions to enforce the style of play that we want. And kind of you're hoping by the end of next season, we've sorted out our midfield issues. We've refreshed the back line. We've got some good forwards up there. And the one position that we are going to want to change is a more ball playing goalkeeper who can also be a shot stopper. Mm. So I think maybe next season you'll see us bring in a... 
I, it's, I only say him because we were linked to him in the summer, but maybe a David Rea, who would also be a good move because he's um, technically homegrown. Mm. So it would count towards kind of like that contingent in the squad. Um, if he comes in, I'm going to put I'm going to put a clip together of every time of every time I mention David, David Raya. <laughs> it's going to be about six minutes long. Um, but uh, to kind of fight it out with Runison for those kind of Carabao Cup or FA Cup yeah. or Europa League minutes, so the two of them can kind of gain experience, gain minutes, and then when Leno is moved out and either Raya or somebody else who we do bring in takes that first spot, Runison will become the second choice. Somebody made a good point on Twitter that he looks like a midfielder who, because was six foot and knew he wasn't good enough to be a midfielder, just oh, decided to play as a goalkeeper. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was gun up on him, wasn't it? Um, and I think that that's, a, that's kind of a very good, astute observation because I, I think that he's a bit... His positioning isn't the best. His, his kind of overall almost like goalkeeping play isn't particularly great. Mm. I don't think it's poor, but it's, it's, it's very kind of average. Mm. Um, and then his distribution is where he shines. Like that ball straight onto the chest of Maitland-Niles was, was brilliant. And it's the confidence to play that. And I think that that's why maybe he is somebody who's transitioned into being a goalkeeper and is so almost adept with his feet. But yeah, like you say, for a million pounds, when he isn't going to be our first choice goalkeeper for most games this season and might, you know, it's it, the thing is, is everyone needs that. Like I miss David Ospina. David Ospina was a great backup. Everyone needs that kind of second choice goalkeeper who doesn't mind being the second choice but is good do you know what i mean yeah yeah for sure i think there's a uh, again goalkeeper isn't a position i'm like crazy crazy worried about but you know it's 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 certainly something interesting to look at and i think runison did well I, i'm sure i'm sure there'll be some people screaming at their phones or whatever right now going what but i actually think he's quite good um i think oftentimes goalkeepers go under the radar a little bit and only get looked at for their mistakes, especially when they're on that side of things and they don't necessarily get the benefit of the doubt. Um, so yes, but um, yeah, I think overall the structure was was massively improved. That first half, I really don't have much to say about. The playing surface was was absolutely trash. Um, the players were slipping all over the place, especially Maitland-Niles. Maitland-Niles also, in fairness, in the first half, I felt looked like our maybe one of the brightest sparks other than Nelson and Pepe. Um, he was trying. He was trying balls. The one thing that I did feel in that first half was the lack of risk. Again, and I think we talked about this before. It, that there was there was a distinct lack of. Uh, I saw runs being made by Inketia. There was a few that he um, made. I think there was one point where Nelson was being encouraged to play balls over the top. I could see Steve Round uh, giving him um, giving some instructions, and it just again, it felt you know we were combining quite well. We were doing all right and trying to play some cutbacks, but we that first half especially, I just felt, you know, before we, you know, we can look back at this game and go, oh, brilliant second half, great, but actually, in that first half, we were still struggling, even in this different structure. So, it's clearly, I don't think it's all structure related, is what I'm trying to say. I think there is a confidence issue there as well, especially with the Europa League team who haven't necessarily played and aren't necessarily first choice. Yeah, I think it is again that idea of almost. We, we discussed it about the Leeds game and how we looked better with 10 men because we just had to take the opportunities that we were given. As in like it was a, we just had to kind of roll with it. And I think that again, this is my main current criticism of Arteta and his systems is, and why I think that Wenger was a great manager and why I think that, you know, Guardiola is a great manager, you know. I mean, he's obviously only ever done it with the best teams of all time and I'd be really interested to see him do it and go to... I, I would have been really interested for him to go to a different club other than Man City. As in, like, could you imagine if he'd have came in at either an Arsenal or a Tottenham or a United... Well, even United, he would have gotten... Somewhere where he wouldn't have just been given a lot of money because I think that would be almost the making or breaking of his legacy. Um, but that's my, yeah, that's back to the point. That's my current criticism is that we are, it's fine being structured in certain phases of play, but in my opinion, you can't really be particularly structured in the final third because then teams know what you're going to do. It's like when we were, when we won the FA Cup and, you know, there was that video going around of Aubameyang's goal coming in. Um, 
No, no, no. It wasn't the FA Cup. It was the, it was the goal against Liverpool in the Community Shield, I think. You know, mm. where it's like a very Henri-esque finish where he yeah. comes in yeah, and yeah, bends yeah. it in. And then there was videos going around of like it like breaking it down and I was like guys this is our only move currently that we seem to be doing stop yeah. telling everyone <laughs> how we that, do yeah. it um but I like think the that, Arsenal official account yeah, tweet, yeah I'm like, like guys look at what we can do no 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 that's our only move <laughs> that's that's all we've yeah. got right now um yeah. but and this is I think where the main issue is is and why I was quite pissed off with Arteta after the uh, Leeds game and I'm still not particularly sold on his attacking philosophy moving forward because we we lack the freedom to do things. Saka, f- phenomenally creative player, but at times on the pitch, if, you know, c- can not go missing, but because of a system where we're just getting it over to the left, overloading on the left and then switching to the right, which everyone now knows we're doing, it's hard to do something with something that's, when when teams are setting up to stop that. So, I think that, again, it's it's a question of system and it's a question of, maybe it's a question of Arteta's trust in the current personnel and maybe as, as kind of after another window, if we get a midfielder in, we'll see it change. Um, but I think that that, again, it, it, it comes into the same conversation that we, we aren't taking those risks, pe- playing those final balls. It's like Bruno Fernandes, for example, isn't, like he's he's great, but I mean, if you take out his penalty contributions, he's much much lower when it comes to goals per game and all of that. But the thing that he does do is he lost the ball. I think I think it was nineteen times in Man United's last match, um, but he scored the winner because he tried something, and I think that's the thing. That's the thing that we loved about Alexis. Alexis would run and lose the ball twenty times in a match. But because he was trying those things and making those runs, he'd get two goals and an assist. And we don't remember that. We don't, we remember the screamers against Villa and and the goals against Man United. We don't care. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You don't. If you're winning the game, it's like with it's like with Aubameyang at the moment. The the issue that people are currently taking with him is that it's he's not doing things. There are. It's not like he's taking kind of elite centre forwards will take between six and eight shots a game. And he's very much down in like the two to three, maybe just four shots a game at the moment. But it's because we're not taking those risks and taking those chances in getting him the ball in certain positions. Like I'm not asking, you know, Xhaka or Elneny or anyone to just thunder cunt it in from outside the box. But it's it's about taking kind of those chances and opportunities to just randomly play a defence splitting pass, even if it doesn't come off. I would prefer to lose the ball and be trying that and then have to defend than keep... It's almost like a fucking stupid FIFA thing. You can keep the ball for 20 minutes and be pressing them up in their own half. But if they get the ball and play one great through ball that splits your team open, they're in and they can score. It's so, almost, Yeah. It, I, I'm, interestingly, actually, I was watching the game yesterday and I have a... Um, my flatmate sat down and, and and Pepe had just literally, as he sat down, lost the ball. And he said something like, oh, Pepe just gives us nothing. Like he just what just started watching the game. And I was like, I know what you mean. But, and I said like, I would rather Pepe lose the ball 30 times a game and score a goal like that mm-hmm. than not try anything. Exactly. And it is that thing. And, and it actually, it leads us on perfectly to the second half where I think clearly what Arteta had said is just, guys, try things <laughs> like try shoot like please Just do things i think and, and uh, interestingly like i wonder what the instructions were before the game because like jacker was angling to shoot quite a lot in the first half and i wonder whether like, he had like i know he's a bit more of a kind of a leader and a teacher's pet and whether he was like well arteta's told me to shoot so i'll shoot kind of thing i think it is a a confidence thing and and i completely agree mate like i would much rather see that i would much rather see someone trying those things and 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 it's 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 difficult isn't it because the those players like the players who do that are like like the pepes and the sort of thing you can't have every single player on the pitch trying ridiculous back back heel passes and all those sorts of things no of course but not. but to but to tell nelson and pepe and 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 you know maybe one of your midfielders to just try things i think is is something that we're not necessarily seeing and mm-hmm. they're, they're so rigid in the structure, but you know, we, this is a very, very well, well covered ground. Something I did want to 
say is um in a game against Mulder, I think what we see is our is our pressing game and how much is how much that has improved. Mm-hmm. If you watch, there's some phases where where Mulder are passing out from the back, and we're doing a really really lovely job of 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 suffocating them. I think sometimes people see this kind of like this gurgan press, this constant thing. Um, and I think where I really rate Arteta is he's, he understands the limitations of our team and understands the limitations of our midfield, that if they break that first line on a Gergen press, they're in, right? So we squeeze them. I think, um, is it um, Poznan? Poz, I don't know, don't know his real name, on the Arsenal Vision podcast, uh, talks about squeezing the tube of the toothpaste, and I love it. And you you watch them and they and they and Lacazette moves and it's it's sort of uh, every player I wish I had like a, a video this is a really awful platform to be doing this on but imagine me doing this if you imagine each say four players playing out from the back we're really great at Lacazette will kind of move towards one Willock will move towards one Nelson will move towards one Pepe slowly and we're slowly suffocating them giving less and less and less space and when they have the mm-hmm. least amount of space then the movement happens. It's really well-coordinated press. Yeah. It's not just running, running, running for running's sake. It's a really well-coordinated... We're all watching each other. And and mm-hmm. I think against a team like Mulder who can't necessarily play out as well as maybe we can or teams in the Premier League can, it's fascinating to watch us sort of slowly squeeze um, a team like that. And Absolutely. It's, it's a really good method and a really well-coordinated press. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was really... I was really impressed. I've made that joke so many times. I'm just going to stop doing it. Fair enough. No, and I think the one thing that we've definitely got better at is um, one thing about pressing that I think people can sometimes get confused about is it's not just about pressing the man. It's about pressing the passing lanes and cutting off the options. Yep. And one yep. thing that I think that we've, we used to do is we used to press the man. We used to, all of us would just go to the men and then pick up the men. But the issue with that is you, there are still going to be lots of people it's in a way of posi- doing it's it. a way of leads, doing it leads to it but we don't have the, the we don't have the players to do it no so. so we we need to i think the perfect press does a bit of both you have one or two players pressing the men and then two players cutting off those passing lanes because it's if you have almost like you know van dyke is phenomenal about this he's got a phenomenal pass on him there's compilation videos of him smacking a 60 yard pass and landing it at salah's feet or at mané and they're just like pinpoint accuracy. And if somebody has someone like that and you don't cut off the passing lanes or the opportunities, they will just either smack a 60-yard ball and land it on the feet or they'll just chip it over you and go to someone else. So having somebody who can pick up those spaces as well where it almost like takes away any option and it makes them rush into a decision, I think is something that we're... Sorry, the fire alarm's going off pretty good um where was i yeah i just think we've gotten a lot better at it to be honest i think we're 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 moving into a kind of a more efficient team and maybe when we get somebody in in that kind of center attacking mid role or center forward role where kind of lacazette was i I don't want to say flourishing because i don't think he was brilliant last night but he, he performed better last night in that role than i've seen him in a while and i mean i know it's only Mulder, but still um we get somebody with maybe some more legs and who's a bit more kind of agile that can press quicker, press better, but also break the lines. It will really, really improve us going forward. 100%, 100%. It's, um, yeah, the, our press, it just feels so much more coordinated. And Arteta spoke about it when he, when he first came into the club and saying, you have to understand when and where to press. It's not just about press the man, press the man, press the man, because any decent team will break that first line and it'll go. Mm-hmm. But what I'm seeing now and what I love is a real coordination and a real slow and steady approach. And I think it, especially in a game like Mulder, it's really obvious and it was really, really nice to watch. Um, yeah, the, I mean, to be honest, bef- apart from speaking about the goals, the only other thing I noticed was about us crossing. I, it, did, it does frustrate me sometimes that we're crossing into a box with Nketiah in. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what is the point? I think Balogun's a bit taller, um, isn't he? So when he was on, it was a bit better. Yeah, a little Sorry, bit. Sorry, my nan is calling me and she never calls me. Can I just pick this, pick this up? Yeah, go on, Brad. Brad's nan is fine. All good. My uh, nan is fine. Yeah, it, it wasn't even my nan. It was my mum. She went on a dog walk and left the left the phone at home and so called me to tell me that because... Classic. You know, 
Classic. Classic, classic parent move. Do you know what I mean? Lesser. What they like. Do you know what I mean? Oh. Oh. Um, yeah, and then the goals. I mean, just to chat about those, finally, they were really nice. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Good analysis. I've got Pepe Woof on here. Um, I think yeah. that's what he can do. It's great that he's come back and he's he's proving, or try, at least try me I, again, it's Mulder. But where he's trying to prove something, I thought he was re- he was really bright. He was really bright the whole game, actually. And I thought he was combining well. Thought he was tracking back well. I thought he was pressing well. I thought he it felt like a real team performance. And then he added that individual um, moment on top. So you know, listen, I'm I was really happy with it. One hundred percent. I think we I think we and everyone disrespect the look the Europa League shit. I want to be back in the Champions League. But one thing that we have to understand and consider. It takes a certain kind of club in certain countries to get into the Europa League. Mulder are the best team in that division. It's not a good division. I know this. I'm not an idiot, but they are the best in it. Yeah, and but they are the best. They it? are going to have... You look at, for example, RB Salzburg in the Champions League. They're in the Austrian League. It's not a great league, but they've got players who can still do things. Now, obviously I think it's, it, again, it's, it's, it's a step down of club. And I think it's a step down of, of quality in both the competition and, and kind of the opponents when you're in this stage, but you still have to turn up and beat them. You still have to. And, mm. you know, these are professional footballers who are being paid and winning their leagues. Like, it's not like we're turning. And I mean, obviously, you know, I think Dundalk is probably the worst of the opponents that we've got. But they're, they're still in that for a reason. They've done well in their league. You, and you can only, you be can only ever do that. Obviously, when we talk about the Premier League and the opponents that we're coming up in there and why we're not doing particularly well, it's a different story because you are coming up against another. Di- I think we forget how much quality is in the Premier League versus other countries. Yeah. You know, so... Okay, yes, Mulder aren't the best team, but they're still a team that deserve to be in this competition. And they're still a team yeah. that scored against us away from home in the last game. So They've got some decent players, uh, you know, and... and yeah, and they're not and horrifically we were, bad. And we were away, you know. It's, it's important to, mm-hmm. as much as we can... With, they had support in there as well. It wasn't an empty stadium. You and I have both said in this podcast... Oh, it's just Mulder. But it is true. Mm-hmm. It's, it's you know, it, it's true that we, we have to respect them a bit more and, and, and know that we've done a good job. And it's impressive to go away midweek after a difficult game on Sunday in an incredible run of fixtures, uh, incredible, incredibly difficult run of fixtures in terms of, like, you know, how many we're playing mm-hmm. and deliver. And it's it's great. And, and you know, that's what we expect. Mm-hmm. And it's great. But it is also important when we criticise them fine but then when we when they do well to praise them and, and they did well 100 um, percent, they did really well yeah i think they um yeah th- there was some good pe- uh, build up from pepe in, uh, to the nelson goal i thought mm-hmm. uh nelson's goal nelson was, was phenomenal really nice I thought by, by the way side note and th- people have said this before if you're one of the people who racially abused pepe or said what he said to alioski um after the game one you're a scumbag two if you listen to this podcast, please don't. don't. Yeah. And three, what? Why? Why? He's a footballer. Yeah, why? Like, I mean, why be racist anyway? But why? 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 Anyway, not the point. Um, yeah. But yeah, the uh, the yeah, it was it was really good build up. I thought Nelson Nelson played really well. Again, I think he's another player who just needs to be encouraged to take those risks because he has the technical mm-hmm. ability. Oh God, yeah. He, you know. And there was, he just, he seems to be able to trickle out of certain situations as well. Like there's a moment, I think it's maybe Maitland-Niles that heads the ball to him and he's got one player coming in from the left and one player coming in for the right and he just almost like dribbles in and round and gets himself out of the situation. It was a clip rolling about Twitter. Was, he, he is like, this is what baffles me about almost the Willian buy because, okay, he's only doing it against, again, we're going to say the phrase he's only doing it against Mulder, but he's still doing it against top uh, against top level competition in their own respective leagues in a European competition. You know, there is pressure to that. And he, I personally think, has offered more when he has been given the opportunities than Willian has, which is what makes the, the, the kind of tying down of a 33-year-old on 130 grand a week even more baffling when we have prospects and talent like this, you know, I think I saw it again. I think it might've been Gunapana, but I saw a tweet basically saying that Freddie Lundberg had it right um, in the game against Everton last season before 
Arteta took over. When he just fucked off all the senior players, started Smith-Rowe, started Nelson, started Pepe and started like youngsters, started Nketiah and literally just went, we're going to let the youngsters have a run because Hale End at the moment is producing some of the most phenomenal, if like, I'm not going to say like, oh, it's like class of 92 of United because I think that is something that will never happen again. You think of the world-class players that got generated from that year. That will never happen again. We're so unbelievably lucky. But also in their own right. And sorry to cut across, but their pathway was set out. There will never be a pathway like that again. They had the, they were the Manchester boys. There wasn't the foreign talent that there is now. There wasn't the, the yeah. it would just never happen again. But yeah, sorry. So, so, of course, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. I agree with you. I agree with you. But I think it's like, if you look at kind of the, the prospects that other clubs are creating right now, Arsenal are far and away at the, at the forefront. You think, okay, United have got Greenwood. Uh, City have got Foden. Liverpool, obviously they've had... Um, got Curtis Alexander Jones, Arnold and they've got Curtis Jones and a few others Nico who seem Williams. to be coming through but you know we've got if we talk about Bakayo Saka coming through we talk about Ainsley Maitland-Nars coming through you've got Follerin Balogun Eddie Nketiah Reese Nelson Joe Willock but also you know, and also people like Carl Hines who's playing he's playing for his country now he's like 18 year old keeper there's uh, Aziz is massively rated Charlie mm-hmm. Patino in the academy is massively rated um, the Moller, I, mean, this, I know this, we this, didn't this create him. Moller, but this Martinelli, guy. yeah, Martinelli. You know, like we've we've we seem to be really currently smashing the youth game. So it it did just scream of weirdness that we decided to sign a thirty three year old in a position where we are stacked at the moment. Yeah, I, th- I think with Pepe being out, I think Reese will will hopefully just just push forward and get and get those minutes. It'll be it will really frustrate me if we, for example, see William Laka Alba now Pepe's out. It's like, come on, this is the perfect opportunity to get yeah. get Reese some minutes, uh, get Saka some minutes on on the wing, you know, and and just and just get those boys in because those those are our both both in a business and a sports sense our Absolutely. best options. William is not performing mm-hmm. and in a business sense he's going to offer no return and you know all that sort of you know it it mm-hmm. we can we can sit here till we're blue in the face and and talk about William but you know we're, we we don't pick the team um the only it also makes sense because it would then we could maybe sell them like at the end of the day if Nelson yeah, exactly it makes business like sense. I think Nelson has the potential and the opportunity to be not like the elite echelons, not the Jaden Sancho's, but the rung, a rung or two below that could be a perfect, perfectly serviceable player for a top six club. Easily. He's doing it now 100%. in certain competitions. So if we just create him to be that, but then don't want him, we can sell him for 40 million pounds. Also, the low socks are drippy, do you know what I mean? But we just need to, yeah, we just need to give him the opportunities to do that because I, like, I just worry that we are going to let, you know, we've seen this with Balogun that he's running his contract down and I, I obviously it currently seems like he's going to sign a new deal from the talk coming out of the club both from his camp and from other things but if we didn't sign him to a new deal that would be a massive loss he's come on today yesterday sorry and scored with his second touch on the pitch one touch to control one touch to finish I think and this is a kid it's his second appearance for yeah. Arsenal when you think this is the issue. If we keep, if, and it's it's why players like Jaden Sancho and Jude Bellingham, and all of these top level English prospects are going to Germany, are going to Italy, are going to other countries where they know they'll get game time, because clubs in this country for some reason just will not give them the opportunity. And you look at Phil Foden, somebody who I think is an unbelievably talented footballer, like can go to the very top, and he's had to wait for so long and be so excellent and even just wait for David Silva to leave so he can get regular minutes. Why? Like it, it makes more of a business sense to develop these players rather than let them go. And you're talking about Jaden Sancho coming back for 120 million to your nearest rivals. Yeah. I, I, I think it's, it's getting that balance between developing a player, not overstretching them, not putting them down the Wilshire route and, you know, all those sorts of things. But then equally, it does feel as though, you know, Foden's been ready for years. Nelson, if you're telling me what you're going to start Willian over Nelson, as I said, business sense doesn't make any sense. Football sense doesn't make any sense. So, you know, it doesn't make any sense. It's it's a really it's a really strange one. 
Just to finish up on the game, I thought the Sabios bringing Sabios on was bizarre when we were two 0 up. Weird, weird decision. Piss me also, off. he brings Piss on Tierney in every Europa League game. I don't really know what that's that's about. I think maybe yesterday was about Maitland Niles because I think he he had a he had a knock, but it's a weird flex from Arteta to bring on Tierney. It, it, it always feels like I don't know, like it's like I for me, like for me Tierney is nailed on, nailed, nailed, nailed on first team starter, one of the first names on the team sheet. So why risk him? And I know he's a tough guy, but you know. Because for me, what that screams is I'm not conceding a goal. It's not happening. And I like that level of... Uh, ambition's the wrong word. I can't find the right word, but perfectionist almost where you're like, we are 3-0 up. It's the fucking 85th minute or whatever it was. Or I can't really remember when he was brought on. I'm not going to lie to you. But... I don't want to concede. Mm. This is it. S- shut up shop. We'll get our experienced left back on and we're, we're going to like, we're getting the clean sheet. And I think that kind of mentality is something ha- that has been missing for Arsenal. I don't ever want to see teams scoring consolation goals against us. If the game isn't finishing 3-0 and it's finishing 3-1, I'll bitch about that one goal that we... I understand we that. Let but, in. But Tierney's really attack minded. It just, you know. Of course. Stick but, on another centre back. Do you know what I mean? It's bizarre. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. But I think that, yeah. And maybe, you know, last night's was because of Maitland Niles. And if Maitland Niles doesn't get that, we don't bring Tierney on and we don't see him at all. But I think that I like, I like somebody who's. Look, I love, I do love Arteta. I bitch and I moan about certain aspects of his current management style, but I do really believe in him. And I really believe that he is the person to go forward with us. But it's moments like that that I really like. It's moments like that, that where you go, it's it's that, it's that um, ruthlessness that's something that we've missed for so long. So long, I think we would have gotten to three, to 2-0 and we'll go, okay, it's comfortable. We'll, we'll play the rest of the game out. We're not going to go for the killer edge. And then we've conceded two goals and drawn two two. Like it's 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 almost like we want to suffocate teams and not even give teams the option because we've seen weirder things than a club score three goals in ten minutes. Yeah, listen, maybe this is my old Arsenal head coming on, going, "Why are we bringing on good players?" <laughs> like in my in my, I've got the Arsenal Arsene Wenger vision of just bring on the youngest player possible on yeah. the bench to give a minute. I think yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah, of course, but I I think with with. Sabios, definitely. That was a weird decision because you're you're talking about if we had we had a decently experienced backline, bringing on an Aziz or a Smith Rowe in that position to give them minutes would have been great because you know you're not almost there's no pressure on them there's no pressure on them to create the chances because we are two 0 up and then you do have that experience in the backline. But the Tierney one I can kind of understand, especially if there was you know a knock with Maitland-Niles and we need to we needed to protect that. So. Yeah, it wasn't that big of an issue for me, personally. The issue was the Ceballos one. I, I, it baffled me. Why are we bringing on Ceballos when we are 2-0 up and it's the perfect opportunity to give a Smith-Rowe an opportunity or to give an Aziz an opportunity? Finally, Flo Balogun, two touches, bang. <laughs> Banging, great. And also an assist for Smith-Rowe. Mm-hmm. Um, making a, a, a lovely run that Lacazette would never have made. Nope. Um, love, a lovely, incisive run and a really smart run. I think sometimes those things aren't picked up on necessarily. You know, he just gives him the ball, but he has to be there to give him the ball in the first place. And it's a, it's a really smart run from Smith Rowe and a really clinical finish from Balogun. He's, I think what he offers us is so different. We were talking before mm-hmm. we started recording. He offers us something so different from Lacazette and Enketia that feels more like a, a guy who's going to hang on the shoulder of the last man, make those darting runs, make those diagonal mm-hmm. runs, a, a real all-round centre-forward. Do you know how tall he is? He looks a bit taller than... Let me um, bring it up. Have, I give it a little Google you. while I chat Ooh, shit about him, but <laughs> chat shit about a player I've seen like four times. But he does, from from what I've seen of him, he does look very agile. He looks very switched on. He looks willing to impress, willing to do the running. And he looks like a almost like has the Enketia legs and the Enketia desire with the Lacazette killer instinct and the Lacazette ability to kind of be a bit more of a, less of a poacher and more of an all-round striker and more of a dropping deep and doing that play and doing the, um, 
doing a bit more of the dirty work that Enketia doesn't necessarily like doing and running at the box as opposed to being in the box sort of hoovering up. I think, you know, Balogun's clearly young and clearly a bit of a diamond in the rough, but he's so exciting and, and, and Arteta said he wants to keep him. He said Balogun wants to stay. So let's just hope the contract situation sorts itself out. That was good bluster, wasn't it? How tall is he? Um, I mean, it's telling me he's 5'9", but that's an absolute lie. One point, he's 1.78 metres. What's that in feet? It is five foot nine. He looks taller than that. Yeah, I'm sure he's taller than five foot nine. How's Willis Fonner and Manigan in feet? This isn't helpful. Because what's, what's six foot? Is that 1.9 meters? It's 1.82. What's six foot? Yeah. Just have one of those really weird out-of-body experiences where I'm Googling a random youth player for Arsenal <laughs> getting really into it. Like, I swear he's tall. <laughs> what yeah. are we doing with our lives, Brad? What are we doing? <laughs> anyway, to he be is fair, the maybe it's because he's more physical. Like, is he, he looks like he's, he's got more of a frame. He's like a tall 5'9". Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Every guy on Tinder ever. <laughs> Fuck's sake. I'm like a, I'm like a tall 5'5". Five five. Um, anyway, um, anything else on the game, Brad? No, nothing on the game. But I have cool. an interesting thing to um, to put to you, my friend. Oh, go on. One, I, I was, I after the Leeds game, I got a bit annoyed, and I was like, "Who you annoyed? Realistically, could we be looking to target to kind of fix some of these issues? You know, I think Lacazette's going to leave probably not in January, but probably in the summer." I don't think we need another striker because if we play Aubameyang and then have Anketia and Balogun as backups, we've also got Martinelli who can play through the middle. El Nani. I think we're kind of fine in that striker position. And to buy another one, it would bloat the position in the same way that we've got 12 centre-backs. But one player I wanted to put to you as a possibility is Paolo Dybala of Juventus. And here's why. Convince me, Brad. He's currently after the end of this season, entering the final year of his contract, and it's not looking like he's going to sign on the dotted line for a new one. There seems to have been a bit of a fallout between him... I love when you talk like a tabloid journalist. It kills me. <laughs> <laughs> is there a war chest available, Brad? Oh, there is a war chest. There is a war chest available <laughs> for this transfer. Um, he's 27 years old. He would bring experience, but not age can play in either the kind of centre-forward rather than striker, that second striker position, but has been known to play left wing as well. Um, is currently valued at around £80 million, pounds, but obviously entering the last year of your contract, you're not worth as much. And he's only played 25% of the available minutes this season because of these issues. Now, obviously, I think we're going to lead at least Europa League, if not Champions League football, to attempt a player like this in. Because if you're Man United and you're thinking, you know, for me, you're thinking that could definitely... Well, actually, no, because they've got Bruno Fernandes now and they've got quite a lot of players on that left wing. But maybe if you're Tottenham, if you're Chelsea... Oh, again, no, Chelsea are fucking stacked at the moment. But there, I think there will be a couple of clubs looking into this, this guy, especially on the cheap, you know, entering his peak years. But I reckon it could be a bit of a, a bit of a, a solid move. I don't know about you. What do you think? I have never seen him play, and I when I started this podcast, I refused to ever give an opinion on a player I've never seen because I know it will come back to bite me on the bum. Uh, okay. I what I'll say Fair is enough. Fair as enough. in the idea of Paolo Dybala, from what I know of him as a player and what I've seen of him in like the four minutes of football I've watched him play, <laughs> not bothered, but. As a business deal, I can see it happening because I think he has a great reputation. Um, and hmm. in terms of sport, I have no idea. And I will answer simply with the with the idea of if Arteta thinks he'll suit if if Arteta thinks he'll suit the system. Yeah, if as of in, course. if he comes in, he's I trust that the coach thinks he's the right fit. I mean, obviously, he thinks it's of the right course, thing, and there, there are other fit. options and, but, uh, uh, and other it's players. An interesting, but... It's an interesting thing to to consider. I think often, maybe to I mean, I, I can't really speak on Balogun particularly, but maybe maybe just to slightly widen it out a little bit in terms of going, we should be looking at these kind of deals, um, whether that's the right deal mm-hmm. because 
you know, players entering their final year of their contract, you know, pre-agreements, that those sorts of things. As a club who is, as we talked about the other day, trying to get for, trying to get back up that ladder, we have to be smarter in the market. Mm-hmm. We have to invest in cleverly invest. I think I said, um, you know, clubs like Real Madrid can make a mistake like Eden Hazard, can make a mistake like Pepe, or you know, mistake. Or what you, however you want to characterize it, a a huge investment that isn't looking like it's working out, right? That yeah. That isn't looking like it's going to pay off to the level of money that they've paid. May well do, but whatever. We can't afford to do that. So we have to yeah. be smart with these investments until we're back up in the kind of upper echelons of, of world football, which hopefully will be, you know, next year. It's always our year next year. Um, yeah, I, I on, on actually Dybala, I will, I will do my research because I don't know. But um, sounds good. I wouldn't mind... Yeah, I just I was I was looking through transfer mark to see like again, I'm not particularly sure about his play style. I'm not particularly just picturing like, you at two AM just transfer marked up, football manager on the other computer Brad's got two computers, by the way, guys. Sits there just like on his in his workstation, in his dressing gown. Just, just stats, 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 stats. L- living my best life. Um yeah, oh, wait, can I, I, so can I don't can know I whether just, we would Yeah. Can I just say something? So I got what? I got called out by my friend on this, right? He said he listens. It's called Andy. So shout out Andy. He he uh, listens Andy. to the podcast, and he said he can tell when I've not listened to what you just said because I do this. Yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Uh... <laughs> 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 oh, it's so true. So yeah, it's so true. It's so true. So yeah, uh, just wanted to point out. In in terms of Dabala, I don't know. I'll do my research, Brad, and get back to you. Yeah, have a look. Uh, I want to just ask before we end today's show, Brad, I want a little, I just want to put a little thing out there. I'm really interested. Okay. In what are our, our, our as listeners, we've got a little community going on now. Yeah. Uh, nice little listen listenership. Um, what are your most, and tweet us in at Diffnock or email me, um, as only Nathan Baroda does, legend, um, or email me or, or, or tweet Brad or whatever it is, with your most tenuous football links. So if you're not sure what I mean, I'll give you an example. I once saw Adam Lalana in Cafe Nero near my sixth form. And my mum served Eddie Howe in John Lewis. There you go. Those are my two, Brad. That's pretty good. At Come On The Arse had one. Let me find it. Have you got any? Let me think. Let me think. Surely you've had a tenuous run in with a footballer. I think mine is that... Um... My mum used to work for a magic company called Marvin's Magic. <laughs> and uh, Marvin used to play on the Arsenal Celebrity 11. So I went to a Celebrity 11 match once. And I think I met, a f- I was quite young at the time, but I think I met a few players that were in that kind of. Oh, that's quite good though. You like met Lundberg era of, or like, or like Burke. Yeah, as in like, but I, I don't think that I, I, I may have met them as such, but I would have been around some of them. Okay, so you didn't meet them. <laughs> well, I, the thing is, is my mum just, t- I don't know. <laughs> that like, is good. <laughs> I, uh, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, know my, mean. I was like, I was very, I was very young and um, it was like the first football match I'd ever properly been to. And um, yeah. And so I think I met a few people. I'm not sure who, but Crazy. neither. N- we've got no pictures, so I can't verify any of this either. My family did not decide to take pictures, which was a bit of a stupid decision. Crazy. But uh, so come on the arse, who is at arse come, says, we stayed in the same hotel as Chris Waddle when he was playing for Sheffield Wednesday. I sat oh. next to him, an aisle apart, at breakfast one morning. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> I just love those stories. They're so like, you just kind of forget that players are just so human, so normal. We spend all this time like talking about the like with their surnames, like as if they're sort of detached beings. So yes, if you have any, if you have any uh, tenuous football uh, stories, get in touch at Tiffnock or email us. Yeah. Um, okay. Yes, we had uh, news this week that fans will be back in stadium. Uh, there'll be 2,000 uh, people allowed in the Emirates for the, I think it's, is it the Rapid Vienna game? Yeah. Uh, next Thursday. It's not going to make much difference, um, but it's nice that it's fans are back. It's a good start. Um, obviously, it, in, in the UK, if, you, if you're not from the UK, there's there's a tier system. I don't know how it works in other countries. Um, 
and London is in tier two. So it kind of depends. Which again is mind boggling, but yeah, incredible. Um, it's almost like the government cares more about the economy than lives. Weird. Um, <laughs> sorry, Sean. shouldn't be political. Sorry. Um, yes. Anyway, fans back in stadiums. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I don't know if it'll make loads of difference to the game. It might a bit. I just, I, I can't. It's, it's great yeah. news for the fans, but I'm trying to find like the football, the football reason to care about it. I don't think it's going to make much difference to you. No, I think maybe it will. Uh, the fact, I think the building up of it will, there'll be again, a slight amount of added pressure because there will be people in there who will voice their displeasure. So maybe we'll see a difference, but who knows? I think this is something because again, it's a trial run. We don't really know what's going to happen. But I'm excited for it. And I think it is great for fans. I think it's obviously going to be sad when it's the obvious reality that the most, you know, the richest fans will be allowed in because they'll spend the most money. Do you know what I mean? Rather than it's not just going to be Joe Bloggs down the street, is it? It's going to be like people who will buy executive boxes or whatever. But yeah, I'm happy for the people that do get to go and watch the matches. I think it's going to be good. Joe Bloggs gets everywhere, mate. Of course he does, mate. It's like own goal. He's always popping up. Yeah. It's going to be a shame to hear this. I'm having El Nene scores from 50 yards. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be really good. <laughs> it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic. Ayy. Ooh. Very good. That was a good one. Okay. Finally, Brad, Diego Maradona. Has passed away. Yeah. All right. I just thought we should pay tribute. I mean, not that anyone's waiting for the different Knox tribute, but we should, we should, man. It's, you know, it's no, it's like, so important. And he was a huge figure. Unbelievable football. Incredible. Man. I think there's, I think God. also the English press need to let go of the hand of God. Like oh. you need to let go of it. There's an incredible. Like, it was fucking years an, ago. Get over things. it. Firstly, before we talk about him as a footballer, there's, there's an interview that my, um my girlfriend showed me about, essentially where Gary Lineker goes to his like his house presumably in Argentina and he asks him will you finally admit that it was cheating and he's just like no nope. <laughs> he's like it was cunning it was it was it was clever was it cheating no just won't admit it i love it it's amazing yeah it's incredible and 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 also there was a video of going around and i think there is this massive kind of english bias which makes sense we are in england but you know, a massive English media bias of um, that that game of you know Maradona the cheat and them getting through and all that sort of thing. But you watch that game, right? There's a clip going around on Twitter this morning of um, that game where they are hacking Maradona to death. There should be three or four red cards it, n- nowadays. Those 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 tackles would have got three or four red. You know the video Graham Sunus that that went round. It's those sort mm-hmm. of tackles, like on players yeah. that are just awful, and Maradona has to deal with it. The pitches were all over the place. He was an incredible, incredible player. It, I think it's always difficult to say, you know, the greatest of all time. Who is it? Messi, Ronaldo, Pele, Maradona, because people play in different eras. It's so hard to compare. But I think one of the greatest. I think if... if I th- Yeah, and I think that... The one thing that takes away from Pele is his stat padding and lying about how many goals he actually scored or whatever. So I think if you're talking about Pele Maradona, it's Maradona. But I think it is, it's like you say, it's really difficult to be like, who's the greatest of all time? But I think that if you look at that man, the impact that he had around the world and around the clubs that he played in was undeniable. You know, you're talking about Napoli, are talking about renaming their stadium after him. They have. They've done it. Have they done it? So, yep. you know, you're talking, that is... There is only certain times what an impact. What in, an impact. In, the, in the history of a sport where people have that level of impact. I don't think Ronaldo or Messi will have that. Messi may do in Barcelona if he stays there till he retires because of the romanticism. But if you're talking about a player who went to Napoli, but also left and went to other places, you know, and he, was, he also played for Tottenham, I'm pretty sure, didn't he? Maradona? Yeah, I think so. I think I saw photos of him in a Tottenham shirt. <laughs> that passed me by. <laughs> Maradona played for Tottenham. Yep, once played for Tottenham. Not that it appears in the record books. When? I don't know. It's there are. Maradona also appeared for Tottenham Hotspur in a testimonial match. Oh, okay. So for Osvaldo Ardiles against Inter shortly before the 1986 World Cup. 
Oh, okay. Oh, that's annoying. But as in like, I, I know, it, but as in, I don't, it's almost like I don't care. But he was also an Arsenal fan. Like he said, he wanted to move to Arsenal and play for Arsenal. In yeah. interviews, he'd said that. And you think like, this is a man who's had such, such impact on the world of football. And I, he is an inspiration to so many people. And he is almost this plucky underdog story. He came from nothing and has now become an icon in what is probably, you know, one of the top three players of all time. You know, so um, it's a real loss for the footballing community. Uh, but he is a true, true legend of the sport. 100%. 100%. Right. Pleasure as always, Brad. Pleasure is mine, my friend. Uh, who are we playing? We're playing Wolves on Sunday, are we? Oof. It's going to be a tough one. Predictions? 2-1 Arsenal. Come on, the Gunners. 2-1 Wolves. Right, boys. See you later. <laughs> <laughs>Thank you so much for listening to the Different Knock podcast. If you did enjoy that and want to hear some more, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're using for a new podcast every Monday and Thursday. If you want to support the show and get access to exclusive content, check us out on Patreon and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at DiffKnock. Thanks. Podcast Network.